to the E5 podcast. Uh, I am Pastor Rob LaRue, as always, and we are joined uh, by Pastor David Willis. I am glad to be here as always. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have y'all are making me so self-conscious here. Y'all, y'all got to stop making fun of me. Uh, Pastor uh, uh, Robbie Willis as well. As always, I am Robbie Willis also. And hey, y'all, <laughs> I'm going to quit this car and build me a new one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm scared to do this now. And we are joined again by our associate pastor, Pastor Mike Mines. It's always a privilege. I love y'all. Y'all are dandies. I'm telling you. Just for reference, because Rob didn't explain it, the <laughs> I'm going to quit this car reference is a family that was a part of a church where Rob and I were both on staff. Had a young child that got so angry driving down the road from Texas to Arkansas, he began to scream, I'm going to quit this car. I want to quit this car and build my own car. Build my own car. Absolutely. So. That's, how, that's how a denominational splits happen, ain't it? <laughs> it I'm going to quit this car and start my own. It sure is. Normally, we do all this banter before we hit record, but today we couldn't help it. Uh, we're going to go into our second of the of the four Ds uh, as we have been working about uh, or, or looking into Discover and what all that entails. Today, we're going to begin uh, to look at that second one, and that is decide. And we're going to be talking about what all that means uh, for us, uh, what it what it means as part of the 4D process, uh, and and looking at deciding uh, to make Jesus part of your life, to accept Him as your Lord and Savior, and uh, deciding you know if you don't have a home church, we want you to decide to be a part of the Link Church. But if if the Link Church, as we've said many times, is not necessarily your cup of tea. We want you to decide to be a part of a Bible-believing church somewhere. Uh, and so we'll dig into that. And we'll talk about that this week and a little bit more in the next one. And so we will uh, we'll jump off just, just diving into this. And again, Pastor Robbie, you and Pastor David, you guys are the ones who, who wrote this. So I'll defer to your expertise on, on where we jump off and where we start with this exactly. So let's talk about decide. Sure. So when we're, when we're thinking discipleship, I, I want us to think process, not program, right? So, for instance, we, we are, once a month, we are hosting a 4D class um, here at Link Church. That is really an intensive introduction to the process. It is not the entire process itself. So, the first D in our process is discover. And we spent the last couple of weeks uh, talking about that on our podcast. The second is decide. And as you said, it's decide to follow Christ. And we hope that people decide to become part of a link church as well. But each Sunday, if you were to attend one of our Sunday morning services at the conclusion of the service, you're going to hear Pastor David call people to make a decision for Jesus Christ. And here, the way that's going to play out is he's going to say, if, if you are not saved or if you have been saved, but you've walked away from Christ and you need to rededicate your life, I want you to raise your hand. When you raise your hand, one of our staff members is going to come directly to you and, and pray with you and talk to you about what it means 
to follow Jesus after a person prays for salvation. We request, not require, but we request they fill out a little green card that says, I've decided to follow Jesus, gives us contact information so that one of our team members can get in touch with them that week and just encourage them, offer to pray with them, any of that. But we wanted to take some time in this podcast and unpack, decide what. What does that decision really mean? What does it mean to decide to follow Jesus? And this week, with the help of God, if we can get through all of them, we are going to attempt to unpack three biblical metaphors, and they are these. Saved, born again, justified. I apologize. Saved, born again, new creation. Next week, we'll talk about justified. And before anybody gets mad at me for calling these metaphors, allow me to say it this way. Salvation is such a deep, massive experience that God uses pictures and words to try to describe to us what it actually means. And each of these words describes a certain aspect of the process. Each of them are an accurate description of salvation, but they each give a, a little shine a little bit different light on what we mean, right? So the first is maybe the most used term, and it is saved. We'll say, well, it's not uncommon to hear a believer say, I got saved. Well, what does that even mean? Saved from what? We're going to talk about that a little bit. I want to share just a few scriptures as we head into this conversation, and we may share some testimonies along the way as well to kind of help illuminate this process some more. Maybe you're listening and you're not a follower of Christ. We hope by the end of this podcast, you'll have made a decision yourself. You're going to follow Jesus. Okay, so in John 15, 16, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. A major part of the reason that we prioritize preaching is because we know how desperately God desires a relationship with humanity. Salvation was God's idea, not ours. I love this passage also in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 to 20. The apostle Paul wrote, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and has entrusted to us the the message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Now, we haven't used the word saved yet, but I'm going to show you some passages where it appears in a second. But first, understand that what salvation is, is reconciliation to God. It's removing any barriers that are between us and Him and bringing us into right relationship with Him. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 further explains, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And then Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Again, just one more scripture at the moment. In Acts 16, 31, Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. Now, there's a number of things we're being saved from. One of those is the eternal consequences of our sin. We're being saved from hell. But I think sometimes that part of the message is overemphasized and we fail to emphasize what God's saving us from right now. Now, just to be clear, it's huge to be saved from hell. Uh, you know, um, somebody once said, I don't think that 
hell is a good not going to hell is a good reason to get saved. And I heard another older believer say, seems like a decent motivator to start the conversation. <laughs> you know, I don't really disagree with that. But also, God came to save us from the destructive power of sin in our own lives. John Wesley said it like this. He said, I know my sin is offensive to God because I find it horribly offensive to myself. Right. He said again, if I quote Mr. Wesley uh, one more time, Wesley said in essence, and I'm paraphrasing, that a salvation that cannot save me from my sin now is of no value and of very little appeal. People are so trapped in their current bondage to sin that if we're only talking about eternity, they're too blinded by their current circumstances to even get to that conversation. Jesus offers salvation not only from the eternal consequences of our sin, but he actually offers to liberate us from the power of sin right now. I remember uh, when I was in high school, I was, I'd been following Jesus for maybe less than a year. I walked into the room to see a group of my peers trying to forcefully convert one of our classmates. And, and I mean, they had all, they come out with guns blazing, right? And so he's just sitting there with a smirk on his face. It ain't happening. You know what I mean? And so what I hear them saying is one after another, he says, but here's the thing y'all don't understand. I like to sin and I plan to keep sinning, right? Now, I don't know if this guy's ever been in church or not. I have no idea. Uh, but, but he says, I, I like to sin. I plan to keep sinning. And one after another, they begin to say, that's okay. I sin every day. You don't have to stop sinning to be saved. And I'm standing here, all the wisdom of 17-year-old Robbie, listening to this conversation, and I won't engage. I won't say a word. I'm just standing there waiting for the appropriate moment to take my seat and move on. Now, I've already started preaching at this point, but I'm just a teenager. And finally, he looks up and he says, I'd like to know what Robbie thinks. Y'all's salvation doesn't sound real impressive to me. I sin, you sin, we're the same. Robbie, what about you? Does the religion you got make you sin just like me every day? I want to know what you think. And I looked, and I'm thinking, well, I know that I'm probably not batting a thousand, <laughs> you know, that I'm maybe not perfect, but I also know that I'm not in this ballpark. And I looked, and I said, well, I certainly try not to. And he looks at me, he said, thank you. If I ever get interested, that's what I want, not that. Yeah. What was he saying? He's saying, if I ever decide to turn to Christ, I want something that will set me free from the power of my sin. Yeah. My friends were trying to yeah. say what they thought was right, but what they were saying was not even good news to him. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a gospel. The message that he could go to heaven someday but be just as bound by sin in this life as he yeah. was right now, he had no interest mm -hmm. at all. Corinthians said he called us to come out from among them. So... There is a separation from sin. We have to understand, and, and and people sometimes they word these things wrong. Just as your friends there are saying, I sin every day. It's what you said. I strive not to. I, I, I don't get up and intend to sin. But if I do make a mistake, I do have an advocate with the Father. So salvation is the process of 
one, me accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior, but then behind that, I'm going to do everything I can to live as pure and clean a life as I can according to the Bible at that point. And so I think that's what we have to understand, and we have to grasp hold of that, that saved means that I I have the eternal salvation um, in my life knowing that I have avoided, as you said, saved from what? Eternal damnation, uh, going to an eternal heaven, but also, there's so much more than that in Scripture that the Bible tells us that being saved uh, helps us avoid. Just in clarity, my, my dad used to make this statement years ago. A gentleman come to visit him one time at the house, and they were talking about salvation. And he said, Larry, what's the difference in, in how you believe and, and live compared to how I believe and live? And this gentleman wasn't saved. And he said, well, here's two things about it. He said, he said one is this. He said, if I'm right and you're wrong, it's going to be a long eternity for you. He said, if you're right and I'm wrong, he said, then I'm just dead. He said, but behind that, he said, even if there wasn't a heaven to gain and there wasn't a hell to shun, the Bible is a good way to live regardless because it helps us miss a whole lot of things. There's a lot of Proverbs. There's a lot of things in there that help us. So salvation is a lot to that. You guys build around that, but I just wanted to throw that in there. So One thing that is radiating in my spirit right now is whenever Jesus shared his message and then after he ascended into heaven, whenever the disciples would share his message, there's a response that reoccurs over and over and over again in Scripture. They will talk about the kingdom of heaven. They'll talk about this concept of salvation. And then they will respond with, What must I do if the gospel that we're preaching and teaching and demonstrating and living in our own lives does not inspire people to ask that question, what must I do to have that in my life? Then something is wrong because to me, even at the age of seven, when I gave my heart to Jesus, there was something about what was preached to me, what was taught to me that made me say, I need this. Now, Dean Caldwell shares when he was a little kid, he didn't come to Jesus just because he fell in love with Jesus. He came to Jesus because he didn't want to go to hell. That's what he says. That's his testimony. And the man is, is pretty much a walking Bible. I mean, he's, he's one, of the, one of the better theologians and preachers that I've ever had the fortune of, of meeting in my life. And he says, originally, it was just the concept of, I don't want to go to hell. Yeah, I believe that that's a fantastic reason to start the conversation. Do you need to stay there? No, it can't just be about, oh, I'm terrified to go to hell, so I want to be right. At some point, you got to fall in love with Jesus. But I don't believe that there's anything wrong with starting a conversation with, what must I do to be saved? There's, there's got to be a hunger there. There's got to be a desire there. Uh, in my opinion, if we're not at that place, then do we really understand that there is something to be saved from? Right. Because... If I don't know how to swim and somebody chunks me in the deepest water they can find, 
I'm understanding the concept at this point that there is a reason that I must be saved because I don't know how to do this. I can't do it on my own. You know, I, I share this example a lot, and I know we're taking up a lot of the time, but this is what it makes me think of is say we're standing on the beaches of L.A. All four of us uh, are there, and a member of the United States of America, you know, Olympic swim team is there with us. And he turns to us and he says, hey, guys, I got an idea. He said, let's all swim out and, and race, and we're going to race to the beaches of Hawaii from the beaches of L.A. And against our better judgment, all five of us decide to dive into the water and we start swimming. Now, I pose this question to you and anybody listening. Who is going to win this race? Will Pastor Robbie win? Will Pastor Mike win? Pastor David, myself, or the Olympic swim member? The answer is actually secret option number six. Nobody's going to win. Why? Because at some point, the four of us are going to be so physically exhausted that we can't swim any further to Hawaii, right? Even the Olympic swimmer is going to hit a point that he cannot swim any further to Hawaii. Yeah. And what makes the matter worse is that we don't have the strength anymore to swim back to L.A., right? So at that point, we're doing what? We're drowning. We're, we're shark bait <laughs> at this point, right? And so we need what? Somebody to come and save us. Good. See, man is a sinner, and he cannot save himself, period. End of discussion. So we need somebody to save us. And we believe here at Link Church and in, in the Christian faith that that Savior for all mankind, but specifically for us, is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Anybody that's heard me preach for how many times knows that I tell stories about my dad. He tells me to stop, and it may be the only thing I've ever told him no about. But uh, um, we continue. We carry on. Um, and, in fact, if he happens to be listening to this, hi, Dad. So uh, I have came across, through the course of life, an absurd number of stories of people who randomly told me how my father, while maybe not directly leading them to the Lord, influence them to salvation. Uh, and I cannot tell you the number of people, Mike's over here raising his hand uh, as we're saying this, I cannot tell you the number of people that have told me, you know what, your dad may not have prayed with me to get saved, but I wouldn't be saved today if it was not for your dad. One of those stories stands out to me. Dad was deer hunting with an individual, and I had the opportunity to have this man tell me his story. He said he was, they were out deer hunting together in northern Missouri, and uh, he said, we were sitting in the truck, and he said, I began to tell your dad how I was bitter and how I was mad and how I was angry, and I had a right to be. And uh, th this went back to some experiences decades ago. And he said, you know what your dad said? He said, I was waiting on him to argue with me so that I could be mad about him telling me I was wrong. He said, he looked at me matter-of-factly and said, you're right. You got a right to be bitter. You got a right to be angry. You got a right to be mad. And there is nobody that can tell you you have to forgive. I mean, you can't go to heaven bitter. You can't go to heaven unforgiven. And you can't go to heaven mad. So you're probably going to go to hell for it. But I don't have any right to tell you that you don't have a right to be bitter. You absolutely do. And he said, would you believe your father just went on deer hunting? <laughs> and I said, he raised me. I would believe it. Well, he said this. He said, I don't know if your dad ever gave any more thought to what he said. But he said, I couldn't quit thinking about it. <laughs> and it was one of the key statements 
that compelled him toward ultimately seeking out Christ. Wow. What's the key in that? We know in our hearts that our bitterness, our anger, our unforgiveness, all these things are destructive. The trouble is we don't want to let go of them. We would rather let ourselves destroy ourselves than to turn them loose. Salvation is about Jesus saying, Robbie, let it go. But, but it's not just you saying it's okay. It's that the cross of Christ, the, the truth that God has taken all the judgment on himself so that I could go free, and I'm saved not only from the eternal consequences of my sin, but I'm saved from my sin itself. I'm saved from the bitterness, from all of that stuff. Christ is a good Savior, but we got to choose to say, I'm going to surrender to him. I've got a right to hold on to this stuff but it really doesn't mean I should. Talk to me, man. Absolutely. I think if somebody was going to tell their story, Mike probably should. Now's a good time to tell how George Willis influenced you to get saved, Mike. Go ahead. (laughs) Story Uh, time. My goodness, story time, yeah. Not Um, putting you on the spot, but please tell it now. Several years ago, I mean, where to start in this story, you know, but several years ago, um, I had gotten divorced and uh, had gotten remarried. And married a wonderful lady, and we're still married today. Praise God. I'm not sure how. Um, she's awful mean to me. But anyway, <laughs> no, she's not. She's Hi, a, Marcia. Yeah. yeah. She's not listening, right? Anyway, if I want her to know that, I'll send her a postcard. Um, anyhow, um, I love to coon hunt. I mean, that was, that was what I did. You know, that was my hobby. And uh, uh, if y'all know Brother George Willis, you know one thing, that he loves to coon hunt. No doubt. Um, my wife had... had she's to this day still very good friends with uh, Robbie's sister, Shelly. And um, my wife had, had told me, I don't care how much you can hunt as long as you go with George. You know, so I could hunt every night of the week as long as I went with George. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. <laughs> it was know? a setup, man. It's it was a setup. It was a trap. <laughs> and night after night, we'd be coon hunting, and he would say things like, uh, hey, why don't you come to church Sunday, you know? Now, he didn't just beat me over the head with it, and I'd be like, you know, oh, yeah, you may be okay, but... And, and we'd go on. Um, I'll never forget, we'd go to the White River Refuge and hunt, and we'd drive home, and it'd be late, late, late at night, you know, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And I would be sleepy, and I have a rule in my truck. If you make sleeping noises in my truck, I will help you. <laughs> you know, so uh, uh, falling to sleep is something that I don't have a problem doing, you know. So um, anyway, we'd be driving down the road, and I'd say, George, you're going to talk to me. I'm getting tired. Uh-huh. And, and he'd just go back to making those sleeping noises. But I knew... That if I asked him about the Bible, now you got to realize I was raised in church. I knew the Bible. I knew the answers to some of the questions I was asking. But I knew if I would ask questions, he would talk to me. And he would wake up night after night on uh-huh. those long trips back as I would ask him questions about the Bible. Uh-huh. And and he would talk to me and keep me awake. And, and I got tickled because years later, it's not been too long ago, he said, uh, I remember when we were hunting and, and we'd be coming back and you were so hungry. I said, George, I was so sleepy. I wasn't hungry. (laughs) But it was through that influence of seeing his life lived out in front of me day after day after day that one time he said, why don't you come to church? And my wife said, why don't we go to church? And I said, okay, we'll go. And he was at Strawberry. And I went one time, and I told her, these people are crazy. I ain't never going back, (laughs) ever, you know. And it was a couple of years later that he had talked to me. He had went back to Mountaintop. 
And it said, this is what he told me. I'm, uh, you know, the last podcast, Brother Robbie bragged on me, so I get to brag on him now. So he told me, he said, uh, uh, my son is coming in to preach for me. I want you to come and hear him preach. And I thought, okay, one time, I think I can, I think I can do this one more time, right? I mean, <laughs> these people are crazy, right? So uh, we go back. He was doing a revival that week, and and uh, I ended up going every night. I mean, um, and and I remember sitting in the back on the on the last night there, and I'd visited with Robbie some during the week, but I remember sitting in the back. And uh, I knew that that revival was coming to an end, and God had been dealing with me all week. And, and I told God, I remember telling God, I, I've seen religion. Yeah. I've seen what religion does. I don't want religion. But I could look at George's life, and I could look at Robbie's life, and I said, but if I can have that, mm. I'll take that. Christ God. I don't need religion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I don't. I, I'd been, religion kills people. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd been beat over the head with that my whole life, you know. But if I can have that then I'll take it. Yeah. And uh, I made that uh, uh, decision that day. Praise God. And uh, praise God. We're where we're at today. Yeah. You know? But George Willis was very influential in my decision. Uh, Robbie was actually the one that prayed with me, but it was George that, that, yeah. that had laid a lot of the groundwork. Never would have got there if it wasn't for Dad. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> praise God. Well, Pastor Robbie, the... Um, Saved is one one area that we hit. Another way or another terminology is is being born again. So another way to describe being saved is to be born again. The words born again come from the conversation that Jesus had with uh, Nicodemus in John chapter 3 when he come to him and, and he said unto him uh, these words. He said, what must I do? Um, and Jesus responded, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Yeah. Unpack that for me just a little bit, will you? This comes from, honestly, one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. Amen. Nicodemus wants to talk to Jesus, but he won't do it in the daylight because people might catch him. And uh, if you watch The Chosen, they take a good deal of theatrical license with this, but I really love the way that they portray the Nicodemus story. Whether they got it right or whether not, what the Scripture does tell us Nicodemus comes at night uh, under cover of darkness and he starts out complimenting Jesus, bragging on him. He said, we know that you are a great teacher come from God because nobody could do the miracles that you do unless God was with him. Jesus cuts past the compliment to the heart of what Nicodemus is saying, and he says, except a man be born again, Mm -hmm. he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, that statement doesn't hit us as hard as it would have Nicodemus, so I want you to understand something. Every devout Jew in Nicodemus's day was looking for the appearance of the kingdom of God because Daniel had prophesied that the great God of heaven would set up a kingdom that would be without end. And there was this widespread anticipation that God was going to come, that Messiah would show up, and that God would establish his kingdom Overthrow the Romans was their expectation and set up the kingdom of God on earth. Well, Jesus is saying now, you're not even going to see it if you're not born again. So Nicodemus presses back against that some, and he asks, how how can a man be born when he's old? How's that even possible? Can, can he get back in his mother's womb a second time and be born? And, and this is the only time in the Bible that Jesus nearly calls somebody stupid. 
Now, he doesn't call him stupid. He calls him stupid in a professional way. This is what, Now, if you're there and you're, if Jesus never called anybody stupid, I won't give you this. What he said is, are you a teacher in Israel and you don't understand these things? Um, so this is what he's saying. For such a highly educated guy, you don't get it, Nicodemus. And then he goes on, he says, I've spoken to you of natural things. How are you going to understand if I speak to you of spiritual things? In other words, Jesus is saying he's using an illustration of birth, a natural illustration, to try to help Nicodemus understand what he's talking about. And then he says this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. When you get saved, you are born again. So when you're born the first time, you are born as a flesh and blood creation. When you're born the second time, when you are saved, God creates within you a living, vibrant, healthy human spirit. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, if I had time, we'd dive deep into this, but we don't, so we're going to touch on a little bit. If your body is what was born again, Every disease you have would instantly disappear. Mm -hmm. uh, if your mind or your soul was what was born again, every mental disorder, every depression, every yeah. mental struggle would immediately disappear. But because it's our spirit that's born again, that which is born of the spirit is spirit, we receive life from the dead, and then that inner life begins to affect our mind so that our mind is renewed by the Word of God mm. and it'll ultimately affect our body so that we'll be given a, a new body. So to be born again is to is to enter into God's kingdom and God's presence and uh, experience life anew. What's it mean to y'all to be born again? When we say born again, and, and I just think of it like this. Now, in the natural, it's not this way because it is there, but just imagine someone walking up to you now at my age, 38, and saying, hey, you can be born again with the revelation and the reality of what you already have at 38 years old. Mm. I would say, heck, yeah, let's try this again because there's a lot of things I would do a whole lot different and make them a lot better. And while in God and in Christ, we don't get to go back and undo, but it is like a brand new start. It's like a fresh beginning. It's it's the reality that everything I've done up to this point, yeah, there is consequence, but everything I've done up to this point is completely gone. I, I'm a brand new person again. I'm a brand new creature. Being saved is one terminology we used, as we've already discussed. Saved from what? But to be born again means literally I get a brand new start at this right. thing. I get to say, you know what? I, I did make those mistakes. I did mess up. I did end up in a place where... I needed the blood of Jesus, as we all do and will. That that's part of it. That's part of humanity. But I'll never forget, and this is this is just me. But in the last couple of months, there's been some things in my own life that I've battled and talked with, and and God spoke to me on something not too long ago, and and He said, "It's awful big of you to forgive everybody else, but harbor this feeling in this area, and not forgive." If God's big enough to give me a brand new start, then how dare I think he can't give everybody else a brand new start? Wow. And that goes farther than just in our salvation. Yeah. I mean that in individuals. If I have something against Pastor Robbie and I think, well, God saved me and I'm born again and I got a fresh start, 
how dare I look at Pastor Robbie and think he can't deserve a, f- a fresh start also to be born again. And so mm. I, when I think about that, I, I just hope we realize that this born again statement, when he said to Nicodemus, you know, you must be born again. I hope we grasp onto the fact that in God, that's a brand new start. Now, with that said, that does not mean that I take a brand new start today and a brand new start tomorrow and a brand new start the next day. I do understand that Ecclesiastes says his mercies are renewed daily. There's no doubt about that. But I'm not looking to abuse what God has done for me. I'm not looking to take this lightly or think, you know what, hey, I have a brand new start every day so I can just do what I want. That's not how this works. This brand new start that I have means that I literally have been saved from the things that we talked about. And in being born again, I don't want to make the same mistakes I've already made. Back to what I said a minute ago, 38-year-old me would not do Uh, again, some of the things I have already done because I know the consequences of them. It's the same way in God. If I get born again, some of the things I know I've done are not good and have not been good to me. I won't do them again because I get a fresh start in it. You guys build from there. My favorite thing or story, I guess testimony, that has to do with this scripture was shared by Carl Vaders. Now, he's a former pastor uh, and author out out of California shared when he was pastoring his church that there was a gentleman who used to be a Buddhist who uh, came and gave his heart to Jesus. And he went up to pastor after the service and he said, Pastor Vaders, he said, I really want to do this right. He said, I really want to live this life correctly. He said, but I just have no idea how to go about being a good Christian. He said, you know, I've been a Buddhist you know, most of my life. And he said, I just, I don't know how to, how to do that. And he said, well, he said, here's what I want you to do. And he opened up his Bible and he said, I want you to start here in the book of John and I want you to read it. He said, and I want you to meditate on the scriptures. I really want you to comprehend it. He said, don't just rush through it. He said, I want you to read it. He said, okay. And when I'm done with that, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to turn the page. And then he said, "Uh, okay. And he said, yeah, because that's the book of Acts. And then I want you to read the book of Acts and I want you to meditate on it and, and I want you to really read it. Because oh, well, what do I do if I'm done with that? He said, I want you to turn the page. And, you know, yeah. so the whole point was he wanted him to, you know, continue to pour into the scriptures and let let the word disciple him and let the word help him grow. And uh, he said, you know how in Buddhism that they, they meditate? And he said, well, I wasn't a very good Buddhist. He said, well, it's okay. You're going to be a better Christian than you were as, as a Buddhist. He said, I want, they, he said, they took that from us. You know, we, we need, you need to meditate on the scripture. And so he asked him a couple of weeks later, he said, hey, how you doing? He said, oh, I'm doing really good. He said, he said, I'm going at my own pace, just like you said, pastor. And he wasn't, he was in the second book of, or the second chapter of the book of John. And, and so he was like, okay, you know. And then about a week or so later, he comes to him and he goes, Pastor, I got to have a conversation with you. He said, yeah, what about? And he said, I just got done with the third chapter of the book of John. He said, you know that story about that guy, Nicodemus? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, yeah, I know it. And he said, well, when he had a conversation with Jesus and Jesus said, you had to be born again. He said, that's what happened to me, isn't it? Praise God. <laughs> That's good. And Pastor Vader said that he just couldn't contain his tears, and he said, yeah, that's exactly what happened to you. He said, because he's being discipled by the book of John, you know. He's being discipled by Jesus, by the word. A man who fully understood and comprehended, yeah, I am different. I am changed because I am born again. Yeah. Yeah, amen. 
the next uh, the, the next phrase that's used in the scripture to describe uh, our uh, our salvation. When I say the next one, this is not necessarily in chronological order if you're reading the Bible, but there's some of those that stood out uh, to us. Is uh, and and this is the last one we're going to deal with in this podcast is new creation. And so it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Which I already jumped ahead to by accident. <laughs> Mighty fine. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Uh, one of my favorite passages that goes along with that is John eight thirty two. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. If you back up in John 8 a little bit before that, this is what it says. While Jesus spoke these words, many of the Jews believed on him. Now, this is five chapters after. Uh, in John 3, the story we just read about Nicodemus, uh, what, what that goes on to say then that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, in John 8, it says many of the people that hear Jesus speaking believe in him. Jesus turns and he says to those that believe on him, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So these two sides of this new creation phenomenon tell us two things. One is that in the moment that we are born again, we are instantaneously made new. The old has passed, the new has come. The insight that John 8 shares is that there's also a progressive element now to allowing the truth of our new creation experience to overtake our life so that we're not living in who we were, but we're living in who we are. I've seen miracles happen in the church that would be impossible if God didn't make all things new. I've seen people who were former drug addicts that had one one situation has come to my mind that one of them had snitched on the other and had them put in prison. That I was there the day that they were both in church on the same day. Can I tell you, there was a moment when all the blood drained out of both of their faces yeah. <laughs> in the house of God. Yeah. I watched, this was at another one of our campuses, I watched as one of them walked over to the other and said with a stern face, we need to talk. Would you step outside with me? I didn't know what was fixing to happen. I had no idea. Uh-oh. <laughs> I didn't know if we should pray or call the cops. Security or... team. <laughs> they walked outside, and here's what one said to the other. It was on the other side of the cross. I was wrong. Come on. You were wrong. Right. We were drug addicts. Come on. We were drug dealers. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I've needed to tell you this all this time. Wow. Brother, would you please forgive me? I'm so glad we get to worship together. Mm. I watched two wow. grown men come back in the house, wiping tears from their eyes, having reconciled from the irreconcilable. As a pastor, I've mm. had people say, hey, I remember one individual that said, hey, I'm going to give you my the contact info for my former parole officer. She's going through a hard time and I told her that she needed to talk to you. Would you pray for my parole officer? Mm. Right? These Come are on. the kinds of things you get wow. to see happen here. I watched a man, true story. Uh, he uh, uh, <laughs> he went out and stole somebody's vehicle, drove it around like it was his own. Uh, by the way, that will send you to prison. It <laughs> did. Uh, he went to the penitentiary. When he got out, 
He walked by one day and saw this person in the store. He had gotten saved. And he heard the Holy Spirit say to him, you need to go apologize. You know what he did? He said, I walked outside instead. He said, I wasn't about to talk to him. They were the reason I was in the penitentiary. <laughs> now, you know why he was in the penitentiary. because he stole that car. But you understand yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he said, I walked outside. He said, God kept dealing with me until I went back. Now, I'm going to tell this story real fast, but check out how God works. He goes back and says, ma'am, I, I need to tell you that I was lost in sin I stole your car. I did you wrong. I went to the pen. To the, to the pen. I served my time. And, and you know what? I deserve the punishment I got. He said, I'd never been able to say that before, but I can wow. say it then. And he said, I need to ask you to forgive me. Fast forward. He's on a job site where he's working. This woman's husband drives up on the job site, walks up to him and asks, asks for him by name. He says, are you the man that stole my wife's car? He said, yes, I am. Uh-oh. He said, I've come to shake your hand and tell you, young man, nobody apologizes for the things that you did wrong. I want to say thank you for owning what you did and wow. going to my wife and trying to make it right. Now, here's the crazy part. Fast forward. He's court-ordered to make pay reparations, right? So yeah. he pays a healthy sum of money out of his check every month to this woman. One day, he gets a call, and she says... Uh, not not he, but his wife gets a call. She says, this is who I am. I have all the money he's paid in reparations, and I'm giving it all back. Wow. I want you to have it. Oh, my goodness. Jesus washed his sins away, and who am I to hold what he did against you? Here's the money, and she gave it all back. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Unless you believe in new creation. Yeah. Saved, born again, new creation. He makes all things new. Mm -hmm. I was the pastor when that woman walked in the building one day to hear that man preach the gospel. Wow. You understand what wow. I'm saying? Uh, now, how many times have you gone to hear the man preach the gospel that you put in the pen because he stole your ring? Uh -huh. But I watched it. These are things I've seen with my own eyes. Wow. New creation. Think about it. The church is a miraculous phenomenon that exists only because Jesus makes all things new. Help me unpack this, man. Help me help our listeners understand what it means to decide to follow such a gracious God, one that invites you to be saved, born again, a new creation. I'm going to tell you it's not even a hard decision to make. Why would you not want to serve a God like that? You know, I, I was sitting here thinking as you're telling that story, if you've got your 4D book, we're, we're on like page 45, 46, 47, and 48 right there is where we're at. And if you're following along with us, you were talking about the young man still in the car. I think even back, in, and you said this, the church is this miraculous phenomenon. I look across our church so many times, and there are men and women that, and this is, this is just where we live today. There are men and women that used to be married that aren't married no longer that attend our church with their new spouses, families, and they make it work exactly how it's supposed to where I'm not saying that that's how God designed it to be. I want you to understand what I'm saying. What happened beyond the cross is beyond the cross. Yeah. yeah. 
we go to church together because we know that's where God wants us to be and that's where he wants our family to be. And it is such a beautiful thing to me to think that there are people out there because I know seasoned Christians that can't do what you're talking about, Pastor. I know people that's been in this for 25 years, serve on staffs, pastor churches that can't forgive something that happened 20 years ago because it, to them, wasn't, the blood of Jesus couldn't have dealt with that because it happened to me. Wow. It is a beautiful thing to me to look out here across this and realize there are people that no telling what has happened, but yet they put it aside and say, you know what, that was beyond the cross because I'm a new creation, they're a new creation. And this is back to what I said just a few minutes ago. How can I sit there and say, well, God, your blood was sufficient to help me become a new creation and put me past things, but yet it's not good enough for them. I can't do that. And and I'm going to tell you the phenomenon that God does is it's miraculous when God comes into a situation like that and he says, you know what, I'm going to just completely wash this away. Doesn't make it gone. Doesn't make you forget it. Doesn't make you forget what happens. But he does say, you know what, I'm going to remind you that you're a new creation. They're a new creation. And I'm going to give you peace over this situation. I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to give you peace in this manner to where that's where I think peace that passes all understanding. Because how do we get past something like that? How does someone forgive someone that stole from them like that, took from them like that? That's only Christ. That's only a peace that God can give someone. It's that's not. Right. That's what a new creation is. And, and so I, I hope we grasp onto that. And if you're listening out there, these terminologies, we're building this for this 4D discipleship program, saved. You're, you're saved from certain, certain things. Of course, eternal damnation, but other things that we face. You are born again, born into Christ as a new creature, uh, that new creation we're talking about. And I hope you grasp what we're telling you. This is such a beautiful thing. When we talked about our team values, this is some of that supernatural stuff that God does when people can come together, serve together, worship together, knowing that there's been things that shouldn't have been, but they are, and yet they were beyond the cross and that God loves us that much. So you guys build from there. That's exactly what I wanted to build on. You just said it right there at the end. We talked about it in the last episode. Supernatural encounters with Jesus. It is natural for somebody to react when painful or hard experiences happen in their life in a painful or harsh reaction. If you get sunburned and somebody does, and you don't, you know, run around telling everybody, hey, I'm sunburned, somebody walks up to you and they say, hey, how you doing today, pastor, and they slap you on the shoulder, you're going to go, and you're going to react in kind of a wince, and or maybe you go, what are you doing? You know, I'm sunburned, you know. You're going to react because there's pain to it. And a lot of times we run around, there's a saying that I'm sure all four of us have preached or said at one point, hurt people, hurt people. We react that way. You know, we, we're walking around with hurts and pains and, and things like that in our lives. And we turn around and we put it in others. And, and I'm so glad that Jesus makes us a new creation. Yeah. So that the pain that was put into me can die. Yeah instead of going around and hurting other people. And so that the the hardships that I dealt with can die. You know, you've talked about uh you've talked about you know people who you witness go through a divorce and then their their families are still, you know, worshiping in the house of God together, you know, because it happened before the cross. Uh, I've sat in services multiple times where uh, I've been in service with somebody who had been abused. Uh, physically, sexually, things like that in their past. 
and they sat down and worshiped in the same house of God as their abuser. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how do you do that? It's, it's supernatural. It's not what our natural flesh wants. It's not how we want to retaliate. We want to retaliate with, they hurt me, so I'm going to hurt them. We want to retaliate with that eye for an eye. We want to retaliate with that uh, uh, just lash out in pain mentality. But God offers crazy supernatural grace that he can offer forgiveness for no matter what we walk through and no matter what we go through and no matter what we do and we may hurt to others. Sometimes it takes us going and humbling ourselves and saying, I was wrong, please forgive me. And you're not going to have a guarantee of the other person on the other side saying, well, it's okay, that was before you came to Christ. (laughs) They may still want to spit in your eye and not even care. But at the same time, you're not doing it for them. That's right. You're doing it because it honors our God. And then number two, it sets you free. Yeah, Yeah. amen. Because you never know what you're walking through and what you're holding with until Jesus asks you to let something go. Yeah. I think we often want to let other, we want to believe and, and we'll grab on quickly to the fact that God made me a new creation, but it's hard sometimes for us to let go and say, well, he made them a new creation too. Uh, It's easy for me to think God had grace and, and forgiveness for me but yet I struggle with grace and forgiveness for someone else. If he made me a new creature, then he can make them a new creature too. Yeah, awesome. You guys have any closing thoughts before we get there today? I mean, uh, any of you guys on saved, uh, saved, born again, new creation? Um, we done really well for ourselves. I mean, this is kind of shocking. I don't know what to do with all this extra time. Exactly. But uh, any any closing thoughts before we close this podcast out today? And and as we already said, this is kind of um, this is kind of part one of decide. There's some other things we're going to delve off into a little deeper uh, next time. I believe uh, just uh, justified and water baptism are our next two that we're going to talk about in this decide. And then at the end of that, we will also not just be talking about decide to follow Jesus, but uh, for those that are part of the family of God here at Link Church, we'll be talking about decide to be part of Link Church and what that means and what that comes with. And so you guys close this with any thoughts you got today on on saved, born again, and new creation. And and we'll have Pastor Ron pray for us and get us out of here today. Mike? Man, my my thoughts that as we've been talking here and stuff, I, I thought about my daughter told me a story that when she went into the military, um, she ended up being discharged. She hurt her knee and uh, had to have it. Just just couldn't finish basic training basically because she'd stepped in a hole and really messed her knee up. But anyway, while she was there, they they were having a Bible class of some kind. They were a discussion about the Bible. Her, her sergeant or drill sergeant, whoever she was, had had asked about the, the fruits of the spirit. They knew what they were, you yeah. know, and uh, my daughter uh, immediately, you know, raised her hand or, or they called on her and, and and she told them what it was. And they asked her, said, how do you know that? And I remember her telling me, she said, uh, I responded, uh, ma'am, father's a preacher, ma'am. I mean, that was just the response, you know, yeah. and but she knew the fruits of the spirit. And as we're talking about this being saved, being born again, a new creation where it says where it says that that's born of the flesh is flesh. But what is born of the Spirit is the Spirit. And so many times you, you wonder, man, what does a new creation look like? And I just think of this often. It, it, this, is, this is the fruits of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if you want to know what that new creation looks like today, it looks like love. It looks That's like good. joy. That's good. It looks like mm-hmm. peace. It looks like patience. It looks like faithfulness. It looks like gentleness. Glory. It looks like self-control. It looks like all of these things. That's Amen. where we're building from, 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 from being born in the Spirit to what this new creation looks like. So if you're missing that today, then you need the Spirit of God. Amen? That's, That's what this decision is going to give you in return. Huh? Right. Amen. And, you know, to, to add on to that before we close out in prayer, and you may not get it perfect the very first time, you know, like Pastor Robbie was talking about when he shared his story earlier, but we're trying. We're, we're getting closer every single day. We wake up, we devote ourselves to Christ, and God, make me more like you today. I must decrease and you must increase. I, as I started getting older, I started doing more and more things and started looking more and more like Robert LaRue the first, you know, and, and I, I look at myself in the mirror and I go, that is my father. <laughs> you know, I was like, when did I decrease? And he increased. And I sure hope that spiritually when, when I hold a mirror up to myself, I start to look more and more like Christ. Yeah. And I, and I start to say, you know, I don't recognize that guy anymore as who he was, but he looks a lot like Christ. He, you know, uh, kind of a play on, you know, the, the, the three Hebrew children thrown into the fiery furnace. One of them looks like the son of God. You know, I hope that I start looking more and more like the son of God every single day. And, you know, you can too. That's what this whole thing of decide is. And so I just want to challenge you. If you heard us talk about Jesus, if you heard us talk about Uh, having that kind of peace in your life and having that in your life. I want to challenge you right where you are. You don't have to wait until you get into the house of God on Sunday. We would love to see you in the house of God on Sunday, but you can do this right where you are, where you're listening to a podcast. If you haven't asked Jesus into your heart and into your life, or maybe a long time ago you did, but you've not been doing everything that you should, and you know that you can live for God, and you know that, You've been making mistakes, but you want to re-up. You want to rededicate your life to him and be that new creation or be born again. And you can do that. Just pray this prayer with us real quick. Father, for whoever is listening right now, I pray that you would come in and that you would encounter them with a supernatural encounter wherever they may be, that you would wrap your arms of love around them and that you would show them that there is forgiveness of sin. That in you, Jesus, the old creation dies and the new creation is born again. That we can live for you. That we can find forgiveness of sin and it can be washed away. And that we can be made brand new and saved from eternity separated from you, God. And we thank you for that forgiveness. We thank you for that mercy. We thank you for that grace. That here in this moment, as we ask, we know that you will meet us, that you will encounter us, and you will be just to forgive our sins. We thank you for that, Lord. Would you go before us, continue to guide us and lead us, and in your holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, gentlemen,
We said we believe in supernatural encounters. Do you believe in miracles? Yes, because I am seeing we still have some time before this hour mark hits. We're going to get out of here. So all of you who... It's been a long time since that happened. It's been a while. And so thank you for those who are listening. Uh, We have enjoyed this as always, and uh, we hope that you have enjoyed it as well. And... um, We look forward to being with you next time. And until then, may God bless you and may he keep you and have a wonderful day.